Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I've got some intriguing leads. There's DNA on the handle of the knife that killed Joyce Sheridan. And it indicates the presence of another male individual. But it's too tiny a fragment to make a match on a DNA database. And I can't go anywhere with the story of the mystery car that could have been casing the neighborhood. Someone who would be unfamiliar with our area probably just didn't know that they were moving quickly into what was a dead-end street. There might have been video surveillance footage of cars arriving and leaving that day because there's only one way in and out of the neighborhood. But the Somerset Prosecutor's Office won't release any of their investigation files. And there's the fire poker that might have been used to crack John Sheridan's ribs and chip his tooth. I'm sure it was never fingerprinted. It was just in the pile in the bathroom. So at this point, without subpoena power... My investigation into who killed the Sheridans is stuck on a cul-de-sac. This is Dead End, Episode 4. I'm Nancy Solomon. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't solved this murder, at least not yet. But I'm rattling a few cages, and things might be changing. I'm getting phone calls from powerful people who want to know what I know. I might not have subpoena power, but there's a statewide law enforcement agency that does. The attorney general was urged by the Sheridan family to get involved. Now this has become another question I want to answer. Why didn't the state attorney general intervene? I'm not the only person who wanted more answers. A year and a half after the murders, and yes, I think we can definitively say murders, some 200 prominent citizens sent a letter to the state attorney general. It's signed by a former state Supreme Court justice, two former attorneys general, and three former governors, and some of the biggest names in New Jersey's legal world, and friends of the Sheridans, and his boss, George Norcross. They all wanted suicide to be removed from John's death certificate. I signed a letter along with the other governors. Former Governor Christine Todd Whitman still feels strongly about it. Calling for a a full investigation and calling into question what had been done at the time because it seemed as if a lot of things were missed. And it just didn't make any sense anyway. Knowing John and Joyce, it it just didn't make any sense from the get-go. A few days after the letter went public, it seemed to have an impact. Governor Chris Christie announced he wasn't renewing the appointment of the Somerset County Prosecutor, Jeff Soriano. But Soriano was given a soft landing that didn't make the news. He was hired on at the Attorney General's office. And despite the letter being signed by the biggest names in New Jersey legal circles, the Attorney General never got involved with the investigation. So I want to find out who killed the Sheridans. And I think it's important to understand why the investigation was not pursued. I'm back to the basics of my day job, covering New Jersey, looking at the way money and politics come together. 
Politics is the world John Sheridan and I shared. He was on the inside. I'm on the outside looking in. And to understand what he was up to at the time of his death and why it's so important, we need to enter that world. And it starts with a trip to meet a man whose experience with New Jersey crime and corruption goes back 60 years. Okay, I'm in Princeton. Um, on my way to interview Ed Steer. I'm pretty excited about it because I've been talking to Ed over the last couple of years, um, but he has been reluctant to ever do an on-the-record interview. So today's the day. Ed Steer's large house is set back from a narrow street with an electric gate that sweeps open when I pull up. When I get out of the car, the first thing that greets me is a once-in-every-17-years insect invasion. Cicadas. My goodness, you are on time. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Come on in, come on in. Are you going to sit at your desk? Uh, wherever you want me to. There's little sign in Steer's wood-paneled office of the kind of career he's had. No photos with famous people, no framed headlines. But he's worked with or known a lot of major players in New Jersey and New York, including John Sheridan. So when he and his wife died, I was, of course, shocked. And I had come to know his son, Mark, and I sent a note to Mark expressing my condolences. And I began to monitor as a private citizen um, what had happened uh, and how the investigation was being conducted. Investigations are Steer's specialty. He got his start as a federal prosecutor, then took a job at the Attorney General's office in New Jersey in the 1960s. And it was a critical moment for New Jersey. Organized crime had infiltrated government, unions, and industries like construction and garbage. In September of 1967, Life magazine, which was a major source of news at the time, published an article that embarrassed state leaders. Just show show this to me. Steer still has the original. It has Red Sox slugger Carl Yastrzemski on the cover. And inside, there's an ad for a new Ford for 1800 bucks. Well, this Life magazine article, which is quite lengthy. I love this headline. Um, Mobsters in the marketplace. Money, muscle, murder. Well, and it was literally true. There were stories of trunkloads of cash coming out of Las Vegas back to New Jersey. Um, Carlos Marcello. uh, uh, King Thug of Louisiana. These are great headlines. And even though everybody knew that organized crime was very powerful in New Jersey and had political connections, the shockwaves that um, were sent through the media, through the political system in New Jersey, by the Life magazine articles, was overwhelming. In response to the article, the attorney general created the Division of Criminal Justice. And that is a state-level criminal investigation resource that is beyond anything that 
any state uh, had or has to this day. Ed Steer would become one of its most accomplished directors. Now there was a state law enforcement agency that could take on crime beyond the scope of local police. Just like the FBI's role nationally, the Division of Criminal Justice would investigate criminal networks across county borders and take on complicated cases. We investigated some of the state's leading racketeers and brought cases. Sam DeCavalcanti, the head of the only New Jersey-based mob family. Tony Soprano was modeled after him. Jip DiCarlo, if you've seen Jersey Boys, seems rather benign in the musical, but um, in truth, he was a leading racketeer in New Jersey and had tentacles into legitimate government and law enforcement. And they convicted Bayonne Joe Ziccarelli, who had the head of the state police on his payroll. We put the first bug ever installed uh, by state law enforcement in Ziccarelli's office. It wasn't just New Jersey. This was going on across the country. And the biggest of those cases? The Teamsters. Tell me about the Jimmy Hoffa case. The kidnapping and murder of Jimmy Hoffa was one of the most shocking events in the modern history of law enforcement. Jimmy Hoffa was the head of the Teamsters Union from the 1950s until the 70s. Back then, the Teamsters controlled the trucking industry, a huge part of the national economy. They would slash tires, blow up trucks, or any number of things to win contracts. But for the bad stuff, like killing people, Hoffa enlisted actual mobsters. Ed Steer was of a generation of young prosecutors who were going after the mob in New Jersey. At the same time, the feds were taking up the fight, too. When Bobby Kennedy became the attorney general, uh, he created a squad that, was, that became known as the Get Hoffa Squad. Robert Kennedy, the president's brother, had been appointed U.S. attorney general, and he was determined to purge organized crime from the Teamsters by passing new racketeering laws. These laws are aimed at those who are in the business of prostitution, who are in the business of gambling, who are in the business of narcotics. But Jimmy Hoffa was not intimidated. And I say to the millions of members of organized labor, have heed, because those who fight for you and fight to win will find that out of this conviction, the zeal of Attorney General Robert Kennedy will be to destroy you unless you give in. They pursued Jimmy Hoffa until they... Uh, found a case, prosecuted him, and convicted him. After a stint in prison, Hoffa returned to the Teamsters. But ultimately, he ran into trouble, according to an interview I found on YouTube with Michael Francisi, a former mobster. When he came out of prison, he was told to lay low and just stay back, and he refused to do that, didn't want to give up his position. There's no question he was taken out by my former associates. Now, the question is always, where is he buried? That's what everybody wants to know. I can tell you this. He's not in the Meadowlands, that's for sure. New Jersey, the stadium, he's not there. And they will never find Jimmy's body. Members of the New Jersey Teamsters local were suspected, but never convicted. And that's when Ed Steer was brought in. 
they were so brazen that they felt capable of carrying out the murder of someone as important as Hoffa was showed the extent to which corruption and organized crime had grown in this country. The law enforcement response, the legislative response, was dramatic. So you're basically the guy who rid the Teamsters Union of the mob. Is that fair to say? Well, I'm the guy who, (laughs) I guess it's true that I'm the guy who rid Local 560 of the mob. I'm not just taking a walk down memory lane. Ed Steer believes the Jimmy Hoffa case is not so different from the Sheridans. It wasn't just a murder. The question is why? What's behind it? What, what underlies a decision that somebody or some group of people have made to um, murder somebody of great prominence? And what that means is that under the surface, there's a massive problem. What you're seeing is the tip of a gigantic iceberg. Maybe the same is true with respect to John Sheridan. We'll be right back. Carnegie Hall is one of the most famous concert venues in the world. The first time I walked on the stage, I felt like my feet were moving, but they were not touching the floor. Join us for If This Hall Could Talk, a new podcast that explores the history of this iconic landmark through the unique items in its archives. I'm your host, Jessica Vosk, and together we'll explore how the past shaped the culture we live in today. Listen to If This Hall Could Talk wherever you get podcasts. My visit to Ed Steer happened before the news broke earlier this year about Sean Cattle. He's the Jersey campaign consultant who hired two hitmen to murder a political operative. Remember, that's another murder of a guy involved with Jersey politics that happened just four months before the Sheridans. And the guy is stabbed and his apartment set on fire. George, G-E-O-R-G-E, John, J-O-H-N, Brett Simmons, One of the hitmen pled guilty just recently. Date of birth, 110-49. Looking old and weak, the 73-year-old gave his plea in an online court hearing. He traveled from... Connecticut to New Jersey for the purpose of participating in the murder of Michael Galdieri. Yes, sir. Did you meet with Sean Cattle at a diner in Elizabeth, New Jersey? Yes, sir. Did Mr. Cattle pay you thousands of dollars of cash in exchange for Galdieri's murder? Yes, sir. So law enforcement was investigating two murders, four months apart, with the same M.O., and both victims were involved with New Jersey politics. I mean, it's kind of crazy that it seems nobody made any connection between these two cases. This is what Ed Steer was trying to explain to me. The Division of Criminal Justice was set up to see patterns, make connections, and connect the dots. Even before... Mark Sheridan 
came to the attorney general to ask the state to supersede, the state should have done it on its own. The prosecutor should have been informed that uh, the state was taking over the crime scene from the very outset. John Sheridan wasn't just a local figure in Somerset County, but he was uh, his, he was the head of Cooper Hospital down in Camden. So now you've got a couple of different counties involved. The circumstances of their deaths were very, very unusual. And for the Somerset County Prosecutor's Office to walk into the crime scene and say, oh, this is obviously a murder-suicide before any investigation took place was criminal negligence. And I, 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 I realize that's a very strong term, but um, I'm very upset about it because it is completely irresponsible. They couldn't have done a worse job if they intended to mess up that investigation. They destroyed the crime scene, made it impossible for anybody to come in later on and do any kind of decent forensic work. This is precisely what the Division of Criminal Justice was created to deal with. Do you have any analysis or a, a frame for thinking about why the Division of Criminal Justice didn't step in? I I really don't understand it. Uh, I I wish I I wish I could explain it. I've called Hoffman and every assistant attorney general who reported to him, uh, and the top tier of the Division of Criminal Justice, and I have not been able to get one person to talk to me. And I understand that they don't want to talk about investigations and such, but how should I interpret the wall of silence that I've been met with about this case? Well, what you're asking about is the exercise of uh, discretion. You're not asking about the details of evidence that was obtained as a result of grand jury subpoenas. You're asking uh, why didn't you intervene? It seems to me that's a legitimate question to which um, they should be prepared to respond. I, I don't know. Obviously, nobody has a good explanation for you or you would have heard it. The Division of Criminal Justice had investigated the biggest cases in New Jersey, whether it involved organized crime or political corruption or both. But Ed Steer told me that began to change about 20 years ago. The level of sophistication, the aggressiveness of the Division of Criminal Justice seriously declined. That would have been during the Jim McGreevy administration. When he was sworn in as governor in 2002, McGreevy appointed a new attorney general. And suddenly, the top people at the Division of Criminal Justice were reassigned. Corruption cases mysteriously disappeared. I called Governor McGreevy. He has a new life now working to help people recover from addiction and stay out of prison. And he has no interest in rehashing the past. But Ed Steer argues 
this is the period when work on political corruption cases declined. Precisely what the reasons were remains to be exposed at some point. But clearly the record shows that the state, state law enforcement, was extraordinarily ineffective during that period of time. One of the high-profile cases to disappear? It's known as the Palmyra Tapes case. A local city councilman wore a wire and captured George Norcross, who would later become John Sheridan's boss, trying to bully the councilman into firing a city employee. On the tape, Norcross can be heard bragging about controlling Governor Jim McGreevy and the U.S. senator at the time, John Corzine. So you have to understand something. You can tell this to an But in the end, the McGreevy's, the Corzines, they're all going to be with me. Because they like me, but because they have no choice. The McGreevies, the Corzines, they're all going to be with me. Not because they like me, but because they have no choice. In the coming episodes, I'm going to tell you a lot about George Norcross. And he's not happy about this podcast. Turns out, Mr. Norcross is listening carefully. Um, my name is Dan Fee. Um, with me, as Bill Tambusi said, is Bill Tambusi. I had an hour-long video call with his lawyers just as we were putting this episode to bed. In-house counsel for um, Cooper. Norcross was there. Of course, George Norcross. He didn't speak, and he, three lawyers, and two spokespeople didn't turn on their cameras. Attorney Michael Critchley did most of the talking. What we're talking about is if you're going to be fair, make certain you emphasize that you have no evidence whatsoever that George Norcross had anything to do with the Sheridan's uh, murder investigation, that tragedy, that tragedy. And, and I don't want to get this to be adversary because if anyone even suggests, intimates, or infers obliquely, directly, indirectly, that George Norcross was somehow involved in on John Sheridan's and George Sheridan's tragic death, the next letter you receive from me is a litigation hold notice. I had to look that up. It's when you get a letter saying you're about to be sued and you're legally required to keep documents. Suffice to say, they're not happy I'm talking about Norcross. And they wanted me to agree to say on the podcast that I have no evidence that George Norcross was involved in the Sheridan deaths. If, if you're not going to give me that commitment, I would recommend we terminate this proceeding. It's other than that, it's just a waste of time. I told them I would consider it, but without a promise, the meeting ended abruptly. I, I think we're finished. I mean, we, we, we clearly... And I never got to ask my questions of George Norcross. Bye-bye, guys. I'm gone. Thank you. Thank you. But fair enough. I'll say it. I don't have any evidence that George Norcross had anything to do with the deaths of the Sheridans. But there is a reason I'm talking about Norcross. On the next episode, we take a trip to Camden, where John Sheridan worked, and where George Norcross is king. You don't do business on any kind of scale in Camden unless you pay your dues to the Norcross organization. George Norcross is the CEO of the Democratic Party, and it operates like any other business, any other corporation. That's coming up in episode five. This is Dead End, a New Jersey political murder mystery. I'm Nancy Solomon. Oh, my God.
Mid-End was reported and produced by me, with Emily Botine, Karen Frillman, and Adam Sybil. Music and sound design by Jared Paul. Additional engineering by Andrew Dunn. This is WNYC Studios. Learn more at deadendpodcast.org.